Hey, welcome everybody. I'm glad you could be here for another episode of Preventive Health and Safety. Uh, we are getting ready to be slammed with some very, very cold weather, some bad roads, treacherous conditions, lots of snow. So I hope that you're being safe wherever you're at. Please, please be safe on the roads. Make sure you have plenty of stuff in your car just in case you get stranded for a certain period of time. I'm hoping you won't. But always have enough supplies in your car, especially things to drink, uh, to keep you warm. Don't ever run around with a almost empty tank of gas. You never know if you're going to be stuck in traffic somewhere because of a delay or an accident. Uh, you don't want to run out of gas. And uh, then all of a sudden your car starts getting very cold. So I'm not going to go over that today. That's not what we're going to talk about. But I thought I'd throw that in because we're getting ready to hit get this big winter storm come rolling through. So what we are going to talk about is a kind of continuation from last week. Last week, we talked about diabetes. We talked about how damaging it can be, how prevalent it is. We talked about uh, how it is actually a risk factor for so many other diseases and conditions. It's just something that we want to try to avoid. I mean, there's a lot of things that can harm you. There's a lot of things you can catch and uh, a lot of conditions you can develop that can be really damaging to your health, but diabetes is just one that is just really, really devastating. It really is. And I've been working in uh, dialysis now for about 30 years, and it's so sad because most of our patients are diabetics. Many of them come in with poor circulation, and the effects of diabetes has already started working through their bodies. Some have one leg already amputated, some both legs amputated. Many of them will have limbs amputated in the few years that they're with us in dialysis. It's just very tragic. They don't live as long nor do as well on dialysis uh, as the other patients who don't have diabetes. And it always gives way to other conditions such as heart disease strokes and things of that nature so we talked last week about all the trouble that diabetes can really cause and all the things that that it does to the body and how it can really affect your health so we're saying let's let's really knock diabetes out of the picture and to do that we're going to do today we're going to talk about some things that will help you reduce your risk of getting diabetes. So the first thing we're going to talk about, this is pretty simple and very easy, uh, eating breakfast. Now, I know there's been a lot of controversy on eating breakfast. Some experts have said that eating breakfast is great. It's the most important meal of the day. Others have said, no, we've done some more research and it's not that important. But the truth of the matter is they have found that people who eat a proper breakfast decrease their chances of developing type 2 diabetes. I mean, it's a proven fact. They've had many, many studies. As a matter of fact, in 2019, the Journal of Nutrition did a huge study on that very question, and it was not just breakfast. It was the proper types of breakfast. When we're talking about breakfast, we're not talking about grabbing a cinnamon roll, <laughs> you know, or something like that, and, and wolfing it down, and, and uh, three or four slices of bacon, and uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a fairly well-balanced breakfast that can get your metabolism and your insulin going in a right direction as the day begins. So what they're recommending is basically a mixture of carbs 
and proteins. So when you're talking about carbohydrates and proteins, you're talking about maybe having some whole grain cereal or whole grain bread. And then for the protein side of it, some low fat milk, uh, some yogurt, cottage cheese, things like that. Just something to really balance your body with the carbohydrates getting things going and, and, and getting your metabolism off. And then the protein there to kind of sustain you and keep you uh, kind of having a full filling so you're not wanting to snack the rest of the morning uh, in between breakfast and lunch. It, it really has, there's just so many things that uh, eating breakfast has proven to really, really help health-wise. And it's worth taking note of that. I know that we have this busy, busy lifestyle. A lot of times, stay up so late get up early in the morning, you don't have time for breakfast, you're rushing here, some of you ladies have to take your kids to school, you just have so many things going on, then get to work, but please, if you have to, get up a little bit earlier and get that breakfast. And by the way, when we're talking about having breakfast and we're talking about diabetes, think about your children too. Those of you that have children living at home, I want you to think about that establish that as something that's going to be a routine for life. These things that we can ingrain in our children and teach them and train them and get that habit formed in them as children, hopefully they'll carry out through their adult lives and they too will be lowering their risk for developing diabetes. We have a huge obesity problem in America today and and, and with our children, it's it's just as bad. So helping them get that good breakfast start and understanding how it is important it is to have that breakfast is just very vital to their health and well-being. And I hope that you'll think about that a little bit. All right, so number two, sitting for more than 30 minutes. Now, this is the one that really got me because I sit for more than 30 minutes a lot. <laughs> I mean, when I go to work, sometimes I'll sit down and start working on a project start doing this or that, and I can be sitting there at my desk for two, three hours in front of that computer and not even budge. They say that reducing diabetes can be done by simply getting up every 30 minutes and taking a short walk, doing a little bit of exercising, moving around, maybe doing some stretching exercises, do a little bit of yoga, whatever. But sitting for a prolonged period of time has been proven to increase your chances of getting diabetes. I never really considered that or thought about it until I started doing some research on ways to prevent diabetes and ways to keep from getting it. So, uh, and again, you know, it's it's really bad whenever you're sitting down and watching TV at night and you watch a two-hour movie and never budge. Uh, but the real problem comes when you, when you feel like you're doing the right thing. I'm at work. I'm doing the right thing. Hey, we go for car rides and we sit for hours and hours driving long distances. I'm not saying that you have to do this all the time, but as much as possible, try to break up your sitting so that you're not sitting still for more than 30 minutes without getting up and a little bit. Now, I don't mean you have to, to, to leave work and go outside and walk around the block four or five times and then come back. Uh, it's just something simple, something that takes maybe five minutes. Go up and down a flight of stairs, just a little bit of exercise to get your 
body moving and get your blood flowing and, and get all those chemicals balanced inside of your body by that little bit of action. So don't sit for more than 30 minutes. Number three, drinking alcohol. Drinking alcohol with meals, obviously, I mean, it's not going to be detrimental to you and it does not actually lead to diabetes. But here's what the experts are saying. The people that drink alcohol with meals usually end up starting to drink alcohol when they're not having a meal, <laughs> okay? And, you know, you start off having a glass of wine with supper and then all of a sudden, maybe a couple hours later, you say, I don't think I have another glass of wine and another and another. And by the way, uh, alcohol does increase your risk of developing diabetes. So moderation here is the key. Uh, when you drink alcohol with a meal, it kind of blends so that it's not quite as damaging. But when you drink alcohol without any kind of food, it de definitely causes problems inside of your body and causes that, that sugar level to rise and causes uh, things to take place that are going to put you at higher risk for diabetes. So watch the alcohol intake. The next one, of course, is, is really important too, and that's sleep. They have found that people that are sleep-deprived have a higher chance of developing diabetes type 2. So it's really, really important to make sure that you get the proper sleep that you need. You know, I'm 67 now, and uh, I may not be quite as rambunctious about my career as I used to be, uh, but I, I can remember, I seriously, I can remember staying up till wee hours of the morning working on projects, trying to get things straight. Uh, I pulled all-nighters. Many of you have pulled all-nighters. And, you know, we, we think that's, that's really cool. We go and we talk to somebody and say, yeah, I had to pull an all-nighter the other night. I mean, that really makes you feel important. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, the more you deprive yourself of sleep, the more chances you're going to come down with some serious health problems. Diabetes could be one of them. So get that proper rest. Now, let me say a few things about proper rest. And I'm trying to, to hurry through these because... I've got several, and I can talk about this for hours and hours, and I don't want to do that. But getting proper sleep is is really important. So not we're not only talking about the number of hours that you spend in the bed, but we're talking about the quality sleep that you have. So if you're going to bed at night and your mind starts taking off and thinking about what you have to do tomorrow, thinking about something that's coming up soon, thinking about this, thinking about that, worrying about this, worrying about that, chances are your sleep isn't going to be that good. You're not going to have that good quality sleep time that you need to have your body relax and refresh. So really try to find ways to be super relaxed before you go to bed. There's there, And there's all kind of books on that. There's all kind of articles out there on exactly how to do that. And maybe sometime we'll actually have a podcast and have somebody on just dedicated to getting a good night's sleep. But there's all kind of relaxation techniques you can do. There's things you shouldn't do before you go to bed. They don't recommend you doing any kind of vigorous exercising right before you go to bed. Obviously, it's not really good to eat a lot right before you go to bed. So there are some do's and don'ts to help you uh, most of it, I would have to say, from what I've read, is mental. 
In other words, the things that are going through your mind probably are going to keep you awake just as much as any physical things that are going on. So make sure you have a way to turn things off. No matter what's happening, no matter what you have to do the next day or the next week, no matter what's coming down the pipe, listen to me. It can wait till morning. <laughs> it has to wait till morning. You're not going to do anything about it that night anyhow. So get it out of your mind. Relax. Go to your happy place and spend some time thinking about something that's nice and relaxing and fall asleep. Now, and let me say this. I hope it doesn't get to that point, but if it does and you just cannot get some good quality sleep, you need to talk to your physician about that. They'll explain to you just how important it is to get that good night's sleep and maybe they can provide some guidance for you or even some medications to help you rest more peacefully. All right, smoking. Oh, we can stay on this subject for almost all of our health issues, can't we? Smoking also increases your risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And there's a 2019 issue of diabetic and metabolic syndrome uh, digest that was talking about the fact that worldwide, back in 2019, they attributed 25 million cases of diabetes directly to cigarette smoking. Now, I, I didn't get a chance to fully read the article on how they could actually say it was that it's the cigarette smoking wasn't contributing to diabetes. The, the cigarette smoking actually caused the diabetes. And I'm looking forward to reading a little bit more on that to find out exactly how they were able to determine that. But the truth of the matter is, it is a proven fact that cigarette smoking is a huge risk factor in diabetes. Now, if you did not listen to last week's episode, I want you to listen to that after you listen to this one. Because when we talk about some of these things, oh, I can't have any alcohol except maybe a glass of wine with a meal. I can't have any cigarettes. You know, I'm giving up all this stuff. It seems like I'm just, you know, giving up everything in life that I enjoy. <laughs> Do you enjoy walking on your two feet? Do you enjoy being able to see? Do you enjoy being able to live a life that you don't have to take insulin and you don't have to uh, be concerned about vascular disease and and things of that nature, that's so much more important. So you listen to last week's episode, and it'll tell you some of the terrible things that happen because of diabetes and how diabetes affects the nerves, which affects almost every part of your body. So think about that. So if you're, if you're even on the borderline about giving this stuff up because you, you know you're not thinking how diabetes isn't that bad, you need to listen to last week's episode because it is bad. So this cigarette smoking is a serious thing. We know it contributes to cancer, heart disease, high blood pressure, but it is also a contributing factor to diabetes. Now this next section I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because we've talked about it a lot, but we've got to start looking at our diets. We've got to start looking at how we're eating. You go into a grocery store and unfortunately, most grocery stores are packed full of things and foods that we're not supposed to eat. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. I went into the store today. Now, this, this is amazing. It happened today. And I actually took a picture of it. I should show it to you. I took a picture of it. I looked at the, the vegetables and the fruit section 
And the back wall there, they have all the vegetables. Like they had the celery there. That's where they had the lettuce, salads, and stuff like that. It was almost completely empty. I mean, there was hardly anything there. Now, obviously, they didn't get a shipment in or something. I don't know what happened. But you know what? If you go back to the processed food section, and we'll talk about processed foods in a minute, you go back to the bologna, the salami, uh, the cheese, you know, all those things back there, uh, sandwich meats, and all those wonderful things that are so tasty but aren't really good for you, they had plenty. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is we have to really do this on purpose. It's not by accident. You know that they're recommending that we have at least four to five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. That's not an easy thing to do. By the way, I bought a whole bag of apples today because I was running low. I try to eat at least a couple apples every day. Uh, I try to eat vegetables every day, and I am not a role model by any means, by the way. I'm not at all. I love pasta, and that's my downfall. But there's a lot of things that we should eat that we should have really robustly in our diets that we don't. And there's a lot of things in our diet that we really shouldn't have that are more appealing and more tasty and easier to fix, quicker to fix, quicker to grab, just not as good for us. So spend some time thinking about that, about your diet and about how healthy you are eating. If you're a frequent visitor of fast food restaurants, you are not doing yourself any favor. You know, there are fast food restaurants. There's chains of almost every kind all over the nation. Everywhere there's 10 or 15 people living, they're going to stick a fast food place there. And it is highly contributing to the obesity problem and the diabetes problem we're having here in the United States. So I'm, I'm imploring you to please think about that and start thinking about eating healthy. It may not bother you today or tomorrow, or next month, or 2025. But eventually, it's going to catch up to you. And if you develop diabetes 10 years down the road, you will wish that in 2024, you would have started looking at the things that are beneficial for you to eat and prepared your diet accordingly. And then we talked about processed foods. Processed foods just really wreak havoc and can cause a lot of problems in your system other than diabetes, but it has also been proven to be a really leading risk factor in developing diabetes. Processed foods are things that, you know, we just, all the time, we we just take it and grab it because it's fast. You know, sandwiches, I, nothing wrong with sandwiches, you know, but when you start having processed meat, processed cheese, white bread, mayonnaise, you know, you're asking for a lot of problems. And those things cause uh, can cause an increase of your chances to develop diabetes. Listen to this now. Each 10% increase in the amount of ultra-processed foods in participants' diets was associated with 15% higher risk of developing diabetes. So they had this massive study, and the people that were eating these processed foods, they put them on a scale, and those that had increased or were eating at least 10% more processed foods than the others had at least a 15% greater risk of developing diabetes. That's how bad processed food is. You don't have to take my word for it. 
You can look up any nutritional magazine or book on nutrition, talk to any dietitian and a physician, and they will all tell you how bad processed foods are. Okay, that's the bottom line. Uh, the healthier we eat and the better we eat, then you're going to be able to reduce your risk of getting diabetes. As I was actually taking a course on, on health coaching, and uh, the person that was teaching this particular section said, you know, there's a big difference between a fast food restaurant and Ma and Pa's vegetable stand. Okay? In other words, you get those vegetables and those fruits right out of the garden or right off the trees, and you take them home and prepare them properly, you can't beat that for nutritional eating. And on the other hand, the other side of the spectrum, fast foods, processed foods, those things that are bad for you, those things won't do you much good. And it's not always something where you can go from A to B immediately, but just small steps in that direction. Less processed food, less fast food, more whole grain, more fruits and vegetables, and, and start incorporating that until you get to the place where you have made a significant lifestyle change in your eating habits. Let's talk about anxiety and depression a little bit. That can also have a big impact on whether or not someone is susceptible to diabetes. Anxiety and depression are things that, as we learn through COVID, with all the isolationism and all the things that were going on, uh, you know, it really caused people to become hermits almost. It caused people to try to stay away from society. They became depressed. They became anxious. Many of people were worried about their jobs. Many people worried about income. How were they going to supply for their families? And when those things start, it actually starts causing a lot of problems. And usually it affects sleep. Usually it affects your diet. Usually it affects so many things. Alcoholism, for example. Just so many things that are, are really big triggers for diabetes. So, if, if you feel like you're getting depressed, and, you know, I've been there, and, and I know a lot of people who've been there. You know, you just, you, you feel like you don't even want to get up that day. You feel like you can't go on another day. You just feel like, what's the use going on another day, really? And when you get like that, you really don't care about what you eat. You don't care about your health. You don't care about whether or not you get diabetes 10 years down the road. So you've got to get working on that so that you can overcome that feeling in order to be able to really start focusing on the good things that are going to help you stay healthy. All right. So that's so, so important. And lastly, I had to throw this in regular physical exams. You know, everything that we talked about today, everything I talked about last week, you know what? Your physician's going to go over that stuff with you or the nurse maybe in an educational opportunity. They're going to go over the things that you need to know about diabetes and about other health conditions and how you can avoid these health conditions and how you're going to be able to stay well and really function throughout your lifespan without having to worry about coming down with some of these major ailments. If I, you know, if every time I do a podcast, I always think if just one person would listen to what I've said and make a lifestyle change and not get diabetes or make a lifestyle change and not get heart disease or have cancer 
or have a serious accident. Just one person from each podcast. It, it, it's so worth doing the whole podcast. And that's why I do these. You know, human beings, I believe, have an innate nature that is focused on caring and helping other people. Caring for and helping other people. It's just something that's ingrained in us. And that's what I want to do. I want you to understand, you know, we live in this, you know, I'm invincible and I can do it and nothing's going to stop me now, society. But believe me, as you get older, those things that you didn't worry about back there, you're going to have to worry about later on. And it's better to prevent than it is to try to fix. An ounce of prevention is worth more than you can imagine. Now, you probably can't see it. But right here, I have a big patch on my head. Uh, it's skin tone, actually. I should put it all over here and cover up the fact I don't have any hair. But it's skin color. But there's a hole, a huge hole. I could show you a picture. I had a, the physician take a picture of it. A huge hole where I had a basal cell carcinoma cut out. On this clavicle right here, right above it, I had about a four-inch scar because they had to dig out another uh, suspicious-looking uh, lesion that they had to keep digging and digging till they got it all out. Uh, this coming Wednesday, I have to get another one on top of my head taken out. The same procedure. They cut it out. They test it. If it's still there, they cut some more out. It's not a very pleasant experience. It's not a very great day. And you're, you're always concerned about the one that maybe they didn't see, the one that may end up getting you. And I'll tell you what, right now is the time to start thinking about making some lifestyle changes to avoid diabetes and all these other things that can be harmful to your health and can shorten your life. I'm just so glad to have you here, and I hope again that you'll take this to heart. Hey, share this. This is where you have an opportunity to be able to help others. You can either tell them to listen to these two podcasts on diabetes and see if maybe that can be a help to them, or you can just tell them about the stuff we talked about. If you can't remember, listen to it again, take some notes, and, and talk to folks. You, you know, you're not a doctor, you're not a nurse. Okay, I understand that. <laughs> some of you may be doctors and nurses. But if you're not a doctor or nurse in the medical field at all, this is your opportunity to care and help people be able to avoid some of the tragedy in life that I've seen in others. Thank you for joining. Look forward to seeing you next week.